Curious Things. I'm Gary Lama. Today's interview is with Doug Nunnally of The Auricular. Doug started reviewing music around 2009 on his music blog and quickly discovered the depth of music here in the city of Richmond. Since then, Doug has gone on to extensively document and champion this music, most notably with The Auricular, an online publication that serves as a distillation of his love for exposing, appreciating, and encouraging Richmond music. And in the spirit of this mission, Doug created the Newland Music Prize, a prize given to a local band each year, judged by, at last count, a jury of over 80 music-related journalists, photographers, documenters, etc. And Doug does all this as a side job. So I was excited to get to talk to Doug and learn what feeds this love of music and how it all started. It was a great conversation. Enjoy. How did you get interested in music? Oh, God, that's a... That's a big question. Um, I mean, I don't know, just like everybody else, just kind of hear stuff on the radio as you're growing up, develop your own taste, and you start following, you know, trails of music or rabbit holes. You know, you find an artist that you really like, you figure out their their influences, you listen to those, and so on and so on and so forth. Um, I guess, like, really diving into music, you know, probably started around, like, my – my early to mid twenties, um, I just got really obsessive about it. You know, like I just, you know, I remember one summer, my, my then girlfriend, but now wife and I, we just on a whim, just downloaded all of the, the Rolling Stones, 500 greatest songs of all time. And just went through all of them. Um, you know, obviously there's stuff on there that we, we didn't like, but the stuff that we did like that we didn't know about it already, we started diving into those records or doing the same thing, diving into their influences, all that stuff, and that just kind of, just kind of snowballed into everything. At what point did you start understanding um, more about like independent music and, and music around uh, Richmond? Are you from Richmond? Yeah, I'm from Richmond. Um, yeah, I've uh, been here since. Yeah, since I was born, so ne- never, never really left. So I've seen all the the coming and coming and goings. Um, as opposed to to independent music and uh, music coming out of Richmond, um, you know, independent music. I think I think that just kind of came about naturally too. You know, I remember when Fall Out Boy got big and everybody was like, "Oh, well, you should hear these records." And it's like, "Well, where did these records come from?" So that, I mean, that was kind of like kind of a floodgate, and I was already kind of more casually aware of that before too because i had been into you know really big into jimmy Eat world in my youth so i knew about their kind of their earlier uh, more lesser known records that really resonated with me um as far as virtual music i mean that just kind of came about naturally too um you know i loved going to alley cats when i was younger that was like my, my favorite venue in town you know, you just go there just to see a band that you've heard about from before, and then all of a sudden, you 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 know, there's a local band opening, or people in line are talking about a local band, so you check them out, and then it just kind of snowballs from there. But obviously, you know, it, it's not all at once. It's more of you know, here's a cool, you know, local band that kind of sounds like this band, or you know, I went to go get a drink at a bar, and there's some some guy playing a cover that I know, but then he ends up doing all his own music and that's cool too. So it's kind of stuff like that, but also just paying attention to it and not just having like, not just having a a moment with it, actually being curious about it, actually being interested in about it and, and going from there. Cause I feel like a lot of people have those same 
you know, moments or same experiences where they'll go out somewhere and they'll hear a local musician or they'll hear people talk about it, but they don't, the, it, it stops right there for them. It, the whole, right. you know, exchange just ends as opposed to them getting curious and trying to figure out, you know, I, I view it as the same way. You know, if you hear people talking about a show or a movie over and over again, you're going to want to check it out. So I felt the same thing in my 20s. Uh, you know, wh- why is this band cool? Why why are people trying to, you know, pack 100 people into a 50-person 50, 50 venue? You've been doing reviews of, of rich music for a while now, um, now under the name of the Oracle. Or, um, is, that, is, how, is it the Auricular? The Auricular. Um, but that wasn't your main job. How did how did you get into, you know, hey, I'm going to put time into actually doing reviews of this music that I'm finding to be interesting? Um, you know, I don't really know how it started. I think it started around like 2008 or 2009. I just kind of started a blog. I was just talking about just talking about music that I liked. And I know and most of it was, you know, not like super obscure. Like I was talking about doo from the fifties, which I love. I was talking mm-hmm. about like the who quadrophenia. I remember talking about that a lot, that that record means a lot to me. Um, and then just, you know, like casually, like listening, uh, talking about bands, you know, side projects. I remember I was a huge fan of the Fratellis and around that time, um, the, the lead singer from the Fratellis had started this side project called coding velvet club with, uh, a Scottish singer named Lou Hickey and I was I was enamored with that record um and then after that record Lou Hickey released her own stuff too so it was just kind of following that stuff so I was talking about that stuff um in the process you know just came across a couple of Richmond bands started talking about them I think one of the first Richmond bands I ever wrote something about would have been um the Jim Ivins band this would okay. have been probably like 2009-2010 um and then I also remember there was a there was a band. I don't remember if they were from Richmond or if they were from Fredericksburg, though. But they were called Love and Reverie, um, and they were they were really good too. I remember them sending me their record. So it just kind of you know talking about Richmond music just kind of came about naturally. And then you know once you really start listening to Richmond music and start understanding the depth of talent here, the floodgates mm-hmm. just open. You know my wife and I are, are huge music fans, so I think in like twenty, I think it was twenty twelve. You know we went to maybe. 202 you know 200 to 250 concerts that year we were just like at like three three or four concerts yeah it was three to four concerts a week sometimes two concerts in a day we would go to north carolina on a tuesday to see the pixies and then drive back get home at 3 a.m and then go to work at you know 8 a.m in the morning um you know but we were we were young we could we you could get away with that you've got the energy You, you can do that kind of stuff and then you know after that I just started to to really want to do write more like be a little bit more in depth than just a blog just do a little bit more stuff um so I reached out to to RVA magazine Marilyn Giudice was the the editor there um and she was very very um encouraging very welcoming and it just kind of started out as just you know reviewing some shows some concerts at first I think the first thing I ever wrote for them was a review of the Joy Formidable concert in 2013 and then, you know, doing some interviews with bands coming to town. And then from there, just all local music. Yeah. One thing I've noticed from doing the auricular, and this is one of the main things I wanted to ask you, Peta. You have this amazing ability to do these, um, like, this day in Richmond music. Like, how the hell do you have that organized as an archive that you can pull from? 
they, they take a, they take a lot of work. Um, I've actually, you know, I started it, I think in like April or May this year. Mm-hmm. Um, first I was just doing it in like Instagram stories. So it was just like something really haphazard, just something, Hey, I thought this was kind of cool. And then people were giving me really good feedback. So then I started to like make like actual posts. I made a section on the website for it. It's really daunting. So I've kind of had to stop and start it a couple of times. I'm actually in the middle of, of, of a pause right now, just cause it, I guess a lot of stuff came up, but I'm trying to get, trying to get it back going again. But yeah, I mean, I just, I, I keep records of things. I, I, that I like, you know, and I, I've had that, that kind of mindset, you know, I'm a, I'm a little, a little anal when it comes to things like that, like, you know, detailing things. Like if you were to look at my iTunes library, it, it's kind of insane. The, like the meticulous nature of which I kind of catalog things in there just so that I can find things quicker when I want them. So I don't right. have to go digging for anything and everything's kind of in the same format and in the same, everything's linear that I can grab as soon as I need it. So when I started really diving into richer music, I started you know, keeping, keeping track of things, you know, spreadsheet after spreadsheet, just so that, you know, if I'm writing an article about you, I want to be able to know really quickly, like the dates that these records came out or some some basic information, or at least some links that I can click on to, to find them as opposed to having to spend, you know, 20 to 30 minutes pulling all that stuff first and then going, just trying to skip steps basically. Um, and then when I started the auricular, one of my like main like passions was I really wanted to like make this like, you know, catalog of rich for music and just log everything that was coming out of the town, you know, songs and records. Um, and that was 2018. So I've got five years of, of that data to go through. And then outside of that, you know, finding records from before that can be a little tricky sometimes, but I do have a, a lot of uh, tricks up my up my sleeve that I can do to figure it out. So it's more just about, you know, looking at a date in a, in a time, figuring out if I've, if I've got anything in my spreadsheets or in my, my notes about that date. And then, you know, doing some searches, asking a couple people about some other stuff and then finding, you know, I try to cap it at 10. Sometimes I've done 15, but try and cap it at 10 records that I think were probably the most important that came out that day. You know, sometimes there's less than 10, but most of the time it's about 10. I just find it so amazing because, you know, I was just like, I saw the Instagram story and, and from following the auricular, I, you know, you just take it for granted as someone receiving content. You're like, okay, this is a post. And then one day I was just thinking about, I was like, how the fuck? <laughs> yeah. It, it takes a lot of you doing this. <laughs> it takes a lot of work. And honestly, like, uh, this, this is kind of like a theme that a bunch of my friends tease me about. But honestly, I could be doing a lot more. It's really hard for those records that came out so long ago. Like I, I've got years, you know. I, mean, I, I would love to put like every, you know, Avail and Amberetta record on these types of lists. But some finding like the exact day that it came out for some of these records is damn near impossible. And then, you know, if you look on, if you look on Spotify, it's got one date. If you look on iTunes, it's got another. And if you look on Amazon music, it's got another date. So it's trying to figure out like, well, what date I can't post it like three times. And I actually think I had a problem where like the, the D'Angelo record, his first one, Brown Sugar, I ended up posting it twice because I, I just, I blanked on it. I forgot that I had already done it. And then I looked at another thing must have been iTunes or Spotify or something and logged it in as another date upcoming. And I ended up doing it like twice in the span of like two months because like um, they've got different release dates online. So it's really, really hard 
to to kind of figure that out. But also, like, I just I want to I want to keep the conversation going about rich music. I mean, some of these records are so incredible, um, and they've just kind of it's cliche to say, but they've just kind of been lost to time. Even if they've come out in the past five years, they've just kind of been lost to time. The album cycle is so ruthless these days where they re- you release something and it's forgotten the next day. And that, that really, I, I think about that a lot. It really bothers me because these records, they, they will stick with me. I'm still listening to stuff that I was, you know, that I wrote a like three sentence review on in 2015. I'm still listening to it today. Yeah, that release cycle thing that we're in, you know, I, I feel bad for artists these days because it, there is so much of a, especially with social media and stuff like this, a need to always kind of create content. And, you know, a post about an album really has the same amount of weight content-wise as a post about a t-shirt sale. Um, mm-hmm. And one of them took you two years to make and the other one <laughs> is a fucking t-shirt. Yeah. And uh, it, like, yeah. It's so it's 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 unforgiving. I think about it so much too because I've done a lot of writing for you know other publications outside of of, of Richmond, uh, and I've written for The Wire in in the UK. I've written for Consequence. Uh, I've done some background work for Rolling Stone, things like that. And you know, uh, thinking about that, it, it, we're you know it's November what twenty eighth today, twenty ninth. Yeah, and it's end of the year lists are already coming out. So what happens to all that music that came out in December or that's going to come out in December? Excuse me. Like, I think about that, like, and I, and I I understand, like I completely sympathize and understand where these publications are coming from. They want to get the work done now before people kind of check out for the end of the year. They want to get ahead of the curve, et cetera, et cetera. But at the same point too, there's a bunch of records that are going to come out in December that are going to be really good. What kind of recognition do those records get because the album cycle is almost even harsher for those right yeah i mean yeah and a lot of that comes down to i mean labels have all different types of strategies and this kind of thing and you know i think they do plan with that like i know as a record label or or running one uh you know I, i get a notice in the middle of november saying hey guess what our cutoffs for the end of the year because of the holidays for submissions you know, you need you you will need to submit by this time to even get it out by you know X days for it to be processed, put through all the stuff that it has to go through. Um, so I mean, the, the end of the year is just kind of a clusterfuck, I think, for everybody. Though some people still release records during. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't like, but the, I I used December used to be an okay month to to release stuff during. Now it feels like yeah. December is the worst month to release in, and then January is also extremely bad to release stuff because people aren't really paying attention and it just kind of sucks like i like you know it would almost be nice if like uh, i think pace was the first one this year that came out with a, a best of albums list i think it came out either monday or tuesday this week and it would just be nice you know if in a couple of weeks or maybe you know the first week of january they just released an addendum saying you know hey yeah. you know and just be honest about it just say hey you know uh, we have writers that are going to be gone for thanksgiving we have writers that are going to be gone for for the winter holidays we wanted to get something out in in the process of that we we kind of missed some of these december records here are some of the december records that we think are extremely key and that right. i think that that would be important too um because you know sometimes there are records that come out in december where they they're trying to kind of 
get away from that type of recognition, but they should, they should still get recognition. You know, like there, there's, it's that, that, that kind of that juggling game of, you know, you don't really care if you're on those lists, but those lists clearly do help. Right. Well, and that's another thing I wanted to mention to you. So, you know, so you've got, okay, well, I have a couple things here. So with your auricular, what, what is your funding situation for this? Oh, there's no funding. Oh, there's no, there's right. no, there's no, there's no money being made. There's no, there's no funding. There's, there's nothing. I mean, it's not, it's not a full-time job. It's something I do in, in my part-time just because I'm passionate about it. And you have a full-time job too. Yeah. Okay. And you have a family and yeah. So, yeah. So going from there, um, what do you think is the benefit to to like to from from your aspect and, and view maybe as a fan, um, what do you think is the thing that you're really providing to someone that you know is interested in music that um, was not here before? Um, I think I'm providing you know one thing. So I guess you know jumping back to to kind of what we were talking about earlier. You know, I was at RVA Magazine just doing kind of show reviews, and then I kind of things snowballed from there. I ended up being the print editor. Um, but then I left the magazine in late 2018, uh, a couple months after my daughter was born. No, sorry, left in late 2017 after my daughter was born. And then the following year, 2018, I started the auricular. And one of my like main things was trying to give everybody coverage or, you know, obviously you can't do everything, but trying to just give as many people coverage as possible without regard to, you know, what their stature is in the city. You know, I am just as interested in this bedroom, you know, recording artist who's never played a show in town, but has 20 records on their band camp and they're all, they're all fantastic. I want to talk right. about that. I want to, I want to really shine a light on that. Also, you know, just from a, uh, just from a selfish standpoint, I want to do that because, you know, the worst thing in the world is for me to get really excited about a band, listen to a record, man, like, Oh man, this is great. The next record's going to be even better. But then that next record never comes out because they break up. And most of the times they break up because there's no momentum. They think people aren't paying attention. They think people aren't listening. So I think at a base, at a very minimum, what I'm doing is helpful because it's at least letting people know that somebody's out there listening and paying attention to them. And that can, that can be encouraging you know, it, all it takes is just a little bit of encouragement for some people. You know, you, oh, for sure. you have, yeah, uh, all, all it takes is, you know, having a real, really rough couple months. And then all of a sudden you get a, a random email from me at 4 a.m. in the morning being like, hey, I saw you put this up on SoundCloud last night. It's really, really good. That's all that it takes sometimes. So that that's kind of my, my, my ethos that as opposed for fans, what's, what's good about it is just, I think, really just kind of showing people the depth of music coming out of Richmond. Like when you talk about Richmond music, like we can, people know some of the heavy hitters. People know that there's some really great talent in town. People know, you know, Gore came from here. Lucy Dacus is killing it right now. And she came from here. It's born and bred. But, you know, when I tell people, you know, like in a given week, there's probably 150 songs released and at least, you know, 20 to 50 records released that, but that, thought really shocks people and yeah you're not going to like everything that's that's not the point the point is is that we have so much music coming out and we could have so much more music and so much better music if people were paying attention to it and thinking on that line because of what the momentum that would be contributed towards it yeah exactly yeah i mean that makes sense 
Well, and speaking of that, so you have this, was it called the Newland Prize that you started? Yeah, the new, yep. Yep, okay. the Newland Music Prize I started. And that's just kind of, you know, that was like the, the next natural step. You know, most of the stuff that I do at the auricular or that I, that I started with the Newland Music Prize has just been stuff kind of festering in my brain for, you know, like a decade of, you know, oh, we could, like the Richmond music scene needs this, the Richmond music scene needs that. Like, why, why aren't people doing this? So the, the, the Newland Music Prize is basically my attempt to, you know, I'm, I'm not embarrassed to say at all. I pretty much lifted it from Polaris Music Prize in Canada and the Mercury Music Prize in, in the United Kingdom just as a way to, to give some prestige to some records. So basically how it works is, you know, every year there's a jury of people in town, musicians, photographers, artists, journalists, radio hosts, et cetera, et cetera, that, you know, nominate records, vote, vote on records. And we end up giving a thousand dollars to the best record that came out of the Richmond area in the previous year. Um, we've done two awards so far. We, so I launched it in 2022. Yep to cover records that it came out the previous year, which would have been 2021. And it's just, it's just a way to, to further try and raise the, raise the floor on Richmond music, prop everybody up as best as I can. Cause you know, I can do end of year lists too. I can do best of lists and things like that. And I think that they have merit. I enjoy doing them, but I'm also very realistic in that people for, forget them very quickly after they're done. So, you know, if I put up uh, an article t- tomorrow, the best records of Richmond 2023, and there's like 50 or 100 of them, that's great. But in a week, people are going to forget about it, as opposed to saying, hey, here's a here's an actual prize. $1,000 is going to be given out to the winner. Here are 20 of the best records as voted on by, you know, 70 or 80 people within the, the Richmond music scene. I think people are going to really take notice of that. It's also not just about the winner. It's not just about who gets the $1,000, who ends up getting the, the, the prestige. It's also about everybody who gets nominated, just like everybody on that list hopefully gets a bump, hopefully gets more recognition just from being included in that conversation every year. Well, I was going to ask, how number one, how difficult was it to get 80 people together to vote? And two, oh, uh, how are you funding the prize? <laughs> Um, there's a couple private um, there's a couple private donors. We are a five hundred one c three nonprofit. Um, oh, yeah. So again, nobody's ma- yeah. So nobody's making money after this. The the goal is to grow the prize too. So hopefully, you know, we can do some fundraising opportunities and just grow. You know, because my my big lofty goal is you know obviously for the winner to get a good cash prize, but then it would be nice for everybody who's nominated for the shortlist to get a little something too. And that's kind of how the major prizes do it too. I don't remember what the Polaris music prizes, but maybe it's like, uh, just off the top of my head, maybe it's like a thousand dollars for everybody on the short list. And then like $10,000 for the winner. Um, we're, we're a ways we're we are a ways away from that, but that is a goal that I'm working toward. Um, and ho- you know, hopefully it's not a lot of money right now. Just a thousand dollars, a thousand dollars can, can really help just basic costs. Like I'm, I'm thinking like, you know, the first year McKinley Dixon won and I know that he sunk that thousand dollars right into his next record, which is paying dividends this year because his new record from this year is just incredible. But also like, you know, a thousand dollars, even if you just kind of squirreled it away, that could help. I mean, you go on tour, your van breaks down. What are you going to do? So it's just about giving people, you know, just, just some type of encouragement as opposed to like the getting 80 people together. It, it's, it's it's rough. I think the first year the jury was like 55 people. Last year it was like 81. This next year it it might be 100. There's no set like number that I'm shooting for 
with the jury, it's more just about getting as many different people with different tastes, different voices, different backgrounds to vote. Because, you know, nobody wants an award given out by, you know, 20 straight white guys. That, that, right. that, that's that's ridiculous. That's that's the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. That's Dan Warner all over again. Nobody wants that. So I really want to make sure that it's diverse, but also not just diverse, you know, you know, from, you know, a demographic standpoint, but also, you know, what are you listening to? I don't want just people who just go to the camel just to, to experience live shows. I want people who are, you know, just making music in their or just listening to music made by people in their bedrooms or people who are going to strictly house shows or things like that. Um, so it's really just about casting a wide net and making sure that every facet of the scene is kind of represented as best as I can. Um, some scenes are always going to be a little bit more well represented. That's just the way it's going to happen. But it's about being conscious about making sure like the these more abstract, these more irregular records get recognition too, or have the chance to get recognition too. Yeah. Well, and that brings up a good point in that, you know, even even in specific scenes now, it's very fragmented. Like, I think there's probably, like, five different hardcore scenes kind of in Richmond. You know, yeah. like, um, how have you felt seen and, well, and seen kind of coping with that? Because, I mean, you're, you know, you're going out to shows and, and experiencing shows, but then you're also, you know, kind of more focused from the music. Um have you been surprised sometimes when you will be listening to the music and then find out that scene is, that that band maybe exists in is, is different than you thought it was or something like that? Yeah, I mean, th- th- that brings up a really good question because I do most of, most of what I do really does focus on the the actual music, the recorded music. I do enjoy going to concerts, and I do understand that musicians mostly go or not mostly go mostly make their music from concerts and performances and merch sold at concerts um you know hopefully my getting people to try and listen to a record gets people to go to those concerts too you know if i i have a family i have a full-time job i do not get to go to as many shows as i want there was a a great show at the hippodrome last night that i just couldn't make there's endless house shows that i want to go to that i just can't um but i i am always surprised at the the different pockets that kind of arise in the city and the and they're they're always they're always popping up and it, it's just wild how you know one house show starts booking shows and they might only book shows for like three months but now all those bands that were playing there are very intertwined so they're they're jumping from venue to venue and setting their seats too um i'm also always always fascinated by those bands that exist in in several scenes at the same time or not necessarily bands but like musicians um like i'll give you an example there's there's that bar uh that venue in lakeside uh another round bar and grill a lot of those bands just kind of they mostly play there or with bands that play there as well but every once in a while there's there's a there's an artist or there's a band that's coming out of there that's playing there very regularly but is also in three bands that play the camel very regularly and is also doing house shows so it's always interesting to see like the cross-pollination between these scenes too i I will say it's really hard to talk about the scene like specific scenes like that post covid though because so many of them just kind of they just had to dissolve because they couldn't do anything you couldn't go anywhere and even now i think it's hard too because some of the you know a lot of these venues that have popped up have been very fleeting or they might, or not even, not even fleeting in existence, 
but also fleeting in, you know, what they're booking. There might be a venue that goes really gung ho about, you know, metal music for a month, but then after that, they don't book it anymore. So it's kind of hard for people to kind of, to make an inroad. It feels cliche to talk about it in a Richmond sense, but you know, the, the absence of strange matter still hurts the city to this day. Cause I feel like strange matter was like this intersection of all of these different scenes. Uh, Mark Osborne was the, the, the promoter or the show booker there. And he did such a great job of building really diverse, the concerts throughout the week, but also diverse bills on a day. Like he would just throw people who've never performed before. They, he would just give them 15 minutes at the, you know, at the start of a three or four band bill on a Friday night. Yeah. And well, I, I mean, that, that tradition that went back to when it was twisters too. I mean, Oh yeah. Oh yeah. For um, sure. Yeah. I mean, I mean Jerry it's really sad that that's, it's really sad that that space is n- not being utilized. But I mean, I just think like, I think about Strange Matter a lot because I think all these scenes in town, they exist in their own spaces. They have the venues that they play or the house shows that they play. But Strange Matter could be the convergence of all that. I mentioned McKinley Dixon earlier. He's talked about this a lot, how it was like he didn't really know what scene he belonged in in town, but he felt at home playing at, the, at Strange Matter. And it was a good way for you to really kind of keep your finger on the pulse of Richmond music without having to go to all of these different venues, you know, sometimes trying to pick and choose which venue you're going to go to on a night. You know, if you just went to strange matter a couple of nights a week, you would get a really good snapshot of what Richmond music was like right now. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's a very good point. I mean, it, you know, I think a lot of it had to do with, you know, the capacity, it's not too high of a club. Uh, I think their business practices were pretty, um, okay you know most people could deal with them you didn't have you know if you're signing up to do a show there there wasn't a huge worry that you know if a bunch of people didn't show up you're going to end up owing club money or something like that they tended to pull just probably from location honestly um yeah well thinking as a fan and kind of you know a lot of where you come where do you come across a lot of the music that you're um you know reviewing that's coming from richmond are I mean, I'm like just physicals I'm, or digital or, or um, no, no. I mean, I, I, I do, I do appreciate physical media. Um, I've got a very robust collection of uh, local vinyl that I'm, I'm really, I'm really proud of. It's like my, it's been a really big hobby of mine. Just try to grab as much Richmond vinyl as I can, just because I think it's, yeah, it, it takes a lot to to get something pressed on the vinyl. So I think it's oh it's, for sure. So it'd be cool for, I, I don't know, there, there's a lot of thoughts about that. But, uh, you know, as opposed to what I'm listening to or how I'm getting it, you know, I'm really, I, I'm being as proactive as possible. So I am scouring every day trying to find as much music from Richmond as possible so I can catalog it in a spreadsheet, you know, for for my own records, but also for, you know, these day in, eight days in history, you know, a year or two years later or something like that. Every once in a while, I'll do these things called Richmond Music Roundup. They, they take a, a lot of work where basically I'll, I'll get everything together that was released in the past week or maybe 15 days, organize it all and write, you know, a very brief description of each thing. Those things take like 10 to 12 hours though over the course of a week. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's just calling anything I can to figure out, you know, there's, there's some good, there's some, uh, a couple of good platforms that have really good search engines that can be not hacked, but they can be kind of cracked a little bit to, to get what mm-hmm. I want. But outside of that, you know, obviously Spotify, unfortunately does not have a good location seeker on it. 
Um, so, and a lot of people just release things on Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon now. They kind of ignore some of the the more DIY platforms. Those, those are a little bit trickier to find, but that's just coming from you know just talking to people, monitoring Instagram, monitoring social media, figuring out what what are coming out there. And I think too, if you just talk to people too, you know, like, hey, what have you listened to that's been exciting, or do you know anybody who is working on something that's coming out soon that's going to be really exciting? That's that's really good too. I guess my my role, you asked as a fan, how do I do this? It's kind of hard to answer that, but I guess my role is to exist as a a person that will help those fans figure out rich for music is presenting these lists to people. Hey, here are a hundred songs that came out this week and 35 records. You're not going to like them all. Take a listen to some though. And you'll probably find five or five or 10 that you really do like. And that's, that's always been my goal is, you know, here is a a huge swath of music, dive into it. You're going to find something you like. It's not going to be everything. There's going to be some songs that you skip after 10 seconds there's going to be some songs that you listen to for like three minutes and you're just kind of on the fence about, but then there's going to be a song that, you know, within 30 seconds, you're going to be enamored with, and you're just going to immediately, you know, hit the repeat button so you can listen to it again. I mean, that's how I operate. I I think that's how a lot of people operate as well. Maybe not just as meticulously or as obsessed as I do, but I think a lot of people, I mean, it's no different than just listening to the radio. You're just kind of skipping around, figuring out what's good, what you want to listen to. You mentioned some more like DIY um, platforms. Uh, well, I mean, I guess one of them would be Bandcamp. Yeah, um, I love Bandcamp. Bandcamp's, I think Bandcamp's the best. I mean, who knows what Bandcamp's going to be next month or in six months or in a well, year because of all this stuff. That's what I was going to say. I I, I recently <clears throat> um, heard that there are three support people <laughs> working at Bandcamp now. Like they they slashed Bandcamp like in the last month or so. Um, um the workforce. I I. I feel like that that number might be a little low. This is where I get like really nerdy and obsessive. I talk to yeah. Bandcamp support a lot because I'm trying right. to, to figure out how to do things on Bandcamp. Um, but they could have outsourced some of that stuff at this point. They might have. I, I know that there was six. It, it might be specific for label support. Um, that might be. I, I, I know at one point there was like there was 12 because I, I had a team – like I had like a, a, a team email with a bunch of them and I got a bunch of contacts cause they kind of all special and things, but that was like a year and a half ago. So I don't, I don't know that that's still the case, but I did email a bunch of people like a week ago and it was like four or five, but like I said, they could have been outsourced or there could be transitioning or it might just be like, yeah, that's pro- honestly, it's probably like a transition thing at this point where yeah. they slack the support team, but some people are still kind of filling in those roles. Um, but yeah, I mean, they've just got a band camp in general though. Um, hope, uh, thankfully right now you can't really tell, but it's going to be the same thing as like, you know, Twitter, like, you know, when Elon Musk cut it, all that staff, nobody really felt anything about it. Like uh, noticed anything about yeah. it from its functionality right. for like a couple of weeks or a month or so. Um, so yeah, yeah I mean, it, it, it's going to happen and, and it, it just, it just sucks. Cause I think band camp, it, it's just the best it's just, for what, for what people can get and for popularity, it's the best. Um, there are other platforms that are better, but they're they're more nuanced, they're more obscure. So it's kind of hard mm-hmm. to kind of get people to latch on that. But like everybody is putting music on the bandcamp. What 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 are some of these other programs that you're talking about that are kind of? Um... I there there's one. I think it just went down though. It was 
it's named after the clown from Modern Family. It's like Fitzbo or mm-hmm. it's either F-I-Z-B-O or F-I-T-Z-B-O. Um, that was primarily for bedroom pop artists. Um, okay. It launched this year. I'm pretty sure it's already down. So a lot of these platforms, they, they don't last. There, there was a SoundCloud offshoot too. I don't remember what the name of it was. And that got really, really popular too. The thing I think people have a hard time understanding is music in itself is a shitty fucking business money-wise. Oh, yeah. It's a really good business for advertising. That's how anyone makes money in music is advertising. (laughs) You know what I mean? So it's like that's how Spotify is able to have like a free tier and basically exist through the fucking ads. Um, When you get into things like Bandcamp where, you know, you're basically running open streaming, you know, to a certain extent – um, and you're having to pay for servers for all that. Um, on the idea that some people might buy the music, very few people want to run a business like that. It, what sucks about that though is that Bandcamp was doing was doing good. I'm not saying that they were like making ha- cash over fist or things like that. I don't right. think anybody would say that. But they were not they were not bleeding money. They were not hurting. The problem was right. is that the, the company just got sold and then just got sold again, and then it yeah. might get so- sold again. And and when those things happen. You have to cut costs to justify the purchase that you made on a company, and so then Bandcamp gets gutted, and the things that make Bandcamp special and make people gravitate towards it are not going to be there anymore, and that's that just sucks. And I just – I think – you know, <clears throat> I, I do a lot of stuff like I promote Bandcamp Friday as much as possible because I think it's really important, and for people who don't know, Bandcamp Friday is a thing that they started during COVID where you know, the first Friday of every month they'll – They'll waive their their share of the proceeds, so all the proceeds go directly to the artist on that day. Um, they don't do it every month anymore. I think this year they did like they're doing like nine or eight months out of the year. Um, they did it in November. They're going to do it December too, which is good. Um, I don't see that continuing though. Like the new owners, I highly doubt are going to be like this is a good idea. They're going to say, why are we doing this? This is stupid. Even though that's such a good benefit for people because it really does drive people to look at their music on a specific date or to give people recommendations on a certain date. No other platform does anything like that. It's interesting because talking about Bandcamp for a second and then thinking about what you're doing, you know, the goodness of both of these things require kind of the fanaticism and dedication of a certain mindset, you know, and within the auricular, it, it's mainly this, this idea and this kind of cause and, and that, that you have. Um, and I, I feel probably like the, the original owners of Bandcamp had that too. You know, they had a very distinct cause of like, this is what we're fucking trying to do. You sell a company three or four times. It's probably going to end up being held by someone that does not give a fuck about anything related. Yeah. <laughs> and, doesn't un- and doesn't, un- then the worst part too is it's not that they don't understand but that they don't try to understand. That's the problem. Because like, right. I mean, obviously you buy a company, you might not know why everything works, but yeah. a lot of the gut reaction is, I don't understand why that works. That's stupid. Let's stop doing it. As opposed to, well, why are we doing this? What's the benefit? What's the history? And then looking at like, like, you know, if, if the, the uh, who owns it, it's Epic Games, right? Well, whoever's the CEO of the parent corporation that owns Bandcamp now, if they came out tomorrow in a very like candid interview and said, you know, we really looked at Bandcamp Friday and, you know, we just can't justify it. Um, so we're going to be scaling it back and, you know, maybe we'll be doing it as like a special thing once, once in a while there, but we really can't 
we can't commit to it fully. You know, that, that, that's not the worst thing in the world. There's at least transparency there. There's at least a discussion there happening. There's at least some type of reasoning given as opposed to just, this is stupid. Why are we doing this? And then they just stop doing it. Right. Or they just turn it into some weird, uh, store for their fucking video game company. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, thinking about kind of stuff like that and, and the regular moving forward, um, what are some things that you're looking to do over the next year um, and maybe kind of back and kind of putting on the, on, on the side of that too? Um, what are you, what are some things that you think would be awesome to have in Richmond that you'd really like to see occur? For the music oh game. God, uh, those are those are really good questions for for myself. You know, goals for myself would just to just be consistent. I'd love a year where I could just be consistent the whole year round. Right now, it, it's just really rough. You know, January to to March is when the Newland Prize kind of kicks into high gear. So mm-hmm. I, I don't have a lot of time to do that. Summertime, my kid gets out of school. I, I, I obviously want to do a million things with her, so my time shrinks into. This time of year is really rough, too, just because of the holidays. There's so much to do before the end of the year, so much to do before the holidays, so it gets rough. So I would just love to be able to just be consistent through the whole year. You know, if I could do – we were talking about those rich music roundups. If I could do 52 of those or 50 of them in a year, that would mm-hmm. be like I, – I could I, – I would sleep so well knowing that, that I got that done, that, I, that I, I provided that service. And honestly, I think that that type of stuff is really what's needed in town is not – I don't think there's anything new out of the box that's needed. I think it's just like consistent or more of the things that are already happening. So like there's, there's a new hip-hop venue in town called RVA Boombox. I mm-hmm. think they do a good job. I think some of their bills are really, really interesting. People that I talk to really like going there. They unfortunately do not run a lot of shows there. I would love for them to run more shows then. So it, it would be great for them to do more of that. Similar to, you know, I think the, I don't know how familiar are with the, the people from Hourglass Sessions. They're a video production company. They do, uh, do one shot video performances of bands in town. They get really creative with them. They did Doe Ice on like the back of a U Haul, but she had decorated the U Haul. Or they did this like really sprawling shot of Katie Lawson in a skate park with a bunch of skaters going around her. So they get they get really creative on doing you know one track shots. Um, I would love for them to do more, and I, I know that they do too. I talked to I talked to them about it too. They would love to do more too. Um, I think right now they're doing maybe like one to two videos a month. Uh, it would be great if they could do like ten a month. That would be a, that would be amazing. So just more of the stuff that's already good in town would be great you know more lofty ideas you know i would love to see you know the times dispatch talk more about local music and and i will caveat that they were very supportive of the new music prize earlier this year i talked to a bunch of writers there they gave coverage it was great i really appreciate it it really surprised me and i was very thankful i i think that they could do more though and i think that they would they would agree with that too they have their limitations too though but just more recognition from i guess uh, uh, traditional media, you know, like the TV news, the print news, but also, you know, just the radio stations in town, you know, we've got WRIR, they're great, but their reach is only so much and not everybody's listening to them. It would be great if, you know, I don't even know what it's called anymore. It's not the X anymore, but whatever 102 is, it would, if right. whatever 102 is, would just dedicate, you know, a section of time every week for rich music and a section of time that's not you know, Sunday at, at 11 o'clock at night. It'd be great for that. Just more recognition. And I think honestly, too, I think if, you know, 
if we want to get even loftier. I think if the city were to invest in some things too, I think they would see see dividends immediately. I mean, they, they clearly are. They're they're going to do that um, amphitheater by Browns Island. There's also um, the the Green City coming to Perham, but I think that one's like three or four years away. Um, so they're clearly thinking about stuff. But I, I would love for them to to invest in more smaller venues too. You know. You know, the city could, I don't know, there's a lot of things. The city could buy back that, uh, the old Strange Matter place and make it a memorial to, you know, Twisters, to Strange Matters, to Bagels R's, to all, all the, the 25 names it's been. I mean, that's that's a very vital piece of Richmond music history right there. Like, that, that is Richmond music. You know, on a, on a bare level, let's say that they, you know, spent some money trying to, to give some grant, you know, some subsidies to some local venues or for them specifically to just spend on advertising or upgrades or things like that. If those venues start doing better, the city makes more money. I mean, that's just the way it is. They tax, right. they, they, they have to tax those businesses. So if the businesses do more, they make more. Um, and also, so it's all the productions that live here can afford to pay their utility bills in the city. Yeah. Them. I mean, just, I'm, I'll, I'll give you a great example. And, it, and it, it's clearly, it's not apples to oranges, but I think it's very, very close. You know, right. l- look at the the craft brewery situation in Richmond. So sure. many of those craft breweries have gotten grants and subsidies from the city in order to operate. And they do right. that because we, we become known as a haven for that. We have dedicated pockets in the city where you can, you know, Scott's edition is, you know, craft brewery central USA. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other places in the, in the in the country that are that are big too. But I'm just saying, like the city was very conscious about that, about encouraging that. They saw how good Hardywood was doing. They saw how good these smaller breweries were doing, and they encouraged that with grants and subsidies and permits and things like that. They could do the same thing for for musicians because they they and yeah and, and yes I know they gave like a huge fat contract to Stone Brewery. Years ago, Stone Brewery is not from Richmond, but I also know that they they helped out, you know, a lot of smaller breweries too, so that they could clearly do that for some of these venues in town. And you know, on the flip side too, I think, you know, there was a thing earlier in August, um, 804 Day. It was you know, put on by Shaka Records, and it was all Richmond musicians performing in the bottom, and it was a it was a big success. And then we also, right after that, we, myself and a bunch of other people were involved with Richmond Music Week, trying to get that off the ground. Um, that was like the brainchild of Ryan and Elijah from Here Our VA, just a way to kind of put more focus on Richmond Music. I think the city could get involved in things like that more. Um, yeah. Technically, the city technically the city parks were involved with 804 Day, but they mm-hmm. didn't really handle most of the advertising or most of the push. I think the city could get really involved. Like just, just think, and this this is really petty, but just think about it. If if the mayor spent one percent of the time on Richmond music that he had spent on the casino, Richmond music would be ridiculously benefit. It would be benefited immensely, you know, because all yeah, he I mean, gets for four months of that. The the casino people gave him millions of dollars to focus on. <laughs> For sure, for sure. Um, but I'm more just saying, like you know, like all, like dude, you're you're sitting here talking about the casino for four or five months straight. Like there are other stuff mm-hmm. going on in town. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I could go off on just about the amount of attention that paid to that versus the schools. But oh yeah, oh, yeah. my wife works in the schools. To, yeah, I wanted to ask you, and you know, I'm I'm sure you have a lot, but are there any artists that you'd want to plug um, that oh, you God. think 
are, you know, let's let's try and limit it here. So let's say um, the ones that you really think, you know, kind of going with your uh, your um, your your impetus and your your motive here, um, the ones that re- someone really should give a shot to, give a chance to um, listen to that you you think are just kind of maybe slipping by that that have turned your ear. Sure, I, I'll I'll limit it. I'll limit myself to five. I could sit here and talk about uh, bands for forever and ever. Um, I'll limit myself to five though. Um, right. There's a band hot. There's a band hot spit. I I they're one of my absolute favorites in town. I think their sound is so uh, piercing. It's so perceptive. Um, just like uh, the the emotional welding of melody and lyrics within their songs it's just overwhelming you know if you really like those like cerebral songs that are still catchy that are still that still have earworms that just nudge their way into your brain i think hot spit is a great band you know what do they sound like you know if you if you like a band like big thief you'll love hot spit um they put out an ep in i want to say february called memory of a mirror image it's six or seven songs it it's it's incredible it's so dense it, the the way um avery is the 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 lead singer and lyricist the way that they uh, the way that they craft lyrics is so intriguing to me because they're so personal but yet mm-hmm. they're still really ambiguous and it's not and when i say that it's not like that kind of like you know, you're so vain type of songwriting where like, oh, what is this really about? Who is this really about? It's more just like offering fragments of memories and piece, piecing them together in a way that kind of shows a mindset of a people or of a person so that each song really puts you in the overall mood of the singer, the overall mood of the song. And then Kevin is the guitarist. I think he does a, uh, uh, like a ridiculous job of matching the guitar tone to those emotions that Avery's putting down on lyrics. It's they're 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 immense. Um, oh yeah. There's there there's Ricky Racky. They put out a an album. God, I don't remember. It was I think over the summer or maybe early September. Um, called Breaking Skin. That record is, is fantastic. It, it, I find it really hard to to figure out how to describe their sound. They describe themselves as like stargazy rock and roll, which is very fair when you listen to them. But if you haven't listened to them, you don't really know. They they they're very versatile. They they have they can be a very rowdy you know like pub rock band, but they can also be also that very cerebral wispy you know, overwhelming sound too, where it's like a slow build of a song that will just, uh, by the end of the song, it's just changed your perception of the moment. And I think that that they, the way, uh, what's different about Ricky Racky than I think other groups in town that really resonates with me is the bandmates are all so close. And I don't mean it in a way that like other bands aren't, or other bands don't like each other, you know, outside of that. But I just, I see that real close knit energy with Ricky Racky and it comes through on the recordings and in the performances. So you can tell that these, these people feed on each other's joys and ideas and energy more than anybody else in town. I think it's very, it's, it's not about being collaborative. It's more just about the, like, I guess joining together into one central musical force. And I think that's what they do 
really well. The record's called Breaking Skin. It's fantastic. Um, there's a newish band called Glossing. I don't remember when exactly they formed, but their their debut EP just came out uh, either late August, early September, somewhere in that time frame. It's only three songs, but it's it's immense. Their their sound is so good, and it's they're all it's all seen veterans in the band too. You know, mm-hmm. Tymir from um, Kristeva, and I think he was in the the. No, he wasn't in that band. He's been in a bunch of bands. Um, Zach from Shiloh and a bunch of other bands. Um, James Hoffer from you know Tri-State Killisbree and Heavy oh, Band yeah. and all these other bands. Yeah, exactly. He's in that band. Um, Case from DC, she's in that band. Sage is the the drummer, I believe. Sage Maxwell, he's been in a bunch of bands too. They so it's it's a bunch of scene veterans coming together to make something really interesting, really unique. It's like if I had to describe it, post rock shoegaze. So you okay. know, the, there's very there's very clear elements of post rock in there also kind of progressive but more post rock more that like that desolate the desolate soundscape stretched out but there's also a really really sharp shoegaze sound and then the vocals and lyrics that are attached to these songs too are are just incredible and what i really love about them too is there's a song called i don't need you by them that it's probably mm-hmm. my second favorite song of the year what i love about that song is the lyrics are so captivating but they don't last the entire song it's a very long song and i think the lyrics stop about maybe just short of halfway into the song but they're so captivating that they carry the whole emotion of the rest of the song so you can feel it kind of fueling everything even as the song kind of turns over into like a very you know heavy outro i I think it's just brilliant um I'll give a shout out to, I mentioned them earlier, um, Ryan and Elijah from Here RVA. Um, Elijah records under his uh, a pseudonym called Illiterate. He released a record called Afterwake. I think it's, I think it's really phenomenal. It's really personal hip hop music, which, which is what really makes me gravitate toward it. There's a lot of, he spent a lot of time making this record too. And you can tell there's so much care putting into the lyrics and the way that it kind of matches just like just a journey over a couple of years. You know, the journey of finding yourself is not something that happens overnight. And right. I think this record really, really taps into that feeling of feeling like you might have the answer, but also still knowing that you need to keep exploring that answer, making sure that it fits. Uh, it, it's just really sharp there. There's a song on there. Um, Actually, pretty much every song on there is really, really good. Top to bottom, that record is just just phenomenal. Um, so, yeah, that's illiterate. It's not spelled illiterate. It's E-L-I-T-U-R-I-T-E. Um, and then the record's called Afterwake. Um, it's really good hip-hop. And then the the fifth band, uh, I would probably go with, you know, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go off the wall. There is an, an ambient artist called cyber crashers tv that's the pseudonym that they record under i think their music is endlessly fascinating um it's music like that that really gets me excited to talk about rich music because it's not necessarily accessible it's not i don't think they've ever played a show in town period but i think it's just as vital 
as anything else going on. You know, a lot of these bands that I mentioned, you know, like Ricky Racky, you know, they've sold out the Camel, they've sold, they've sold out Gallery Five. They do really. They they're a really strong live band, but I I think this ambient artist who is just releasing things out of out of their bedroom is making just as important as music as them. They they're so good. They've got several several records. There's a record from last year called Constellations that might be my favorite, but there there are other records from this year that are really good too. There's one called Detransitioning, which is really. I mean, the, the the name might put some people off immediately, um, but it's it's a really nuanced kind of kind of take on fragmented identity. Um, and, but it's ambient music too, which is what what makes it fascinating too. The way that they're able to to weave complex narratives without any type of lyrics or any type of real, you know, pop melody. It, it's really interesting. They also record with a UK producer under the name Switch Systems. That stuff is more accessible, and I think that stuff is great too. But I, I would check out – it's Cyber Crashers TV. Um, all their stuff is on Bandcamp. It, it, it's amazing. What advice yeah. would you have for someone that was you know, um, thinking of starting – I mean you're basically running this project by yourself for a while, mm-hmm. and then you got more folks involved in this kind of thing. But it really comes down to like you, know, you basically putting your own self out there, your own time, investing in it. Um, maybe seeing payoff sometimes, maybe seeing not pay. I mean, pretty much just the same way musicians do. Um, yeah. What advice would you have for someone that was thinking about doing something like this, but, you know, is, is reluctant, maybe not specifically record reviewing, um, but maybe music or, or, you know, some project they were thinking about doing? I think that's a great question. Um, I think something that really goes overlooked to when people give advice is what you're talking about with, you know, some things get attention, some things don't. There are articles that I have spent maybe five to 10 hours on, and they are among the lowest viewed things that I've ever put on my website. Whereas there are things that I, I whip together in 10 minutes that are among the most, most read of all time on my site. So there's no rhyme or reason to it. And, and it can get frustrating. It can get demoralizing. My best advice is to just, to just do it. Repetition helps doing things over and over again. We talked about this day in history. When I first started it, it was very, cluttered very haphazard just i think i i think the first day i just posted one record and it was mostly because i was listening to the record at the time and i thought it would be important for people to know about it it was it was a gumming record from like 2018 um but after doing it over and over again i just got better at it and better at it and not just not just better at it but also more efficient so you're using your time better and it's helping you in other ways too the things that i you know Writing about music with this day in history, writing these little blurbs about the records helps me understand how to write about that stuff better. So then the next time I do a record review of it, I've got more tools in my in my backpack that I can rely on. So I right. think just just doing the work is what's important. Um, I can't speak to how to to stay you know motivated and to keep encouragement going and things like that because that's something that I struggle with all the time but i I have found that just getting into a routine and just doing it is the best thing to do even if you're not even if you're not sold that it's good Mm -hmm. just doing it will eventually turn it into being good sometimes i will just write you know just start writing a couple sentences knowing that i'm going to erase them in three hours but just, just starting just starting to write will help you 
get to where you need to be. Um, you know, most, most of the advice, it's also just, you know, just getting out of your head. It's hard to do. It's something that I can't do. Um, not worrying, not just not, not worrying necessarily about what engagement you're going to get from it, but more like, is this good? You know, dealing with that kind of imposter syndrome, that's rough. I think that better people have advice on that as opposed to me who struggles with it. But I think my best advice is to just do the work. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, the second you start writing, well, now you're fucking editing. So you're not worried about uh, writing anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because if you're sitting there now qualifying, well, was that good? Well, that's better. Yeah. That's, a, that's a step further than where you were five minutes earlier. I, I, will, I will give some. I will give one like very pointed piece of advice in in that mindset, and it's something I learned years ago. If you're having writer's block, or if you're really struck on something, write a piece of the article that you know is going to be in there. So, like, I'll give you an example. If you already know, like, you're going to have to talk about this one thing, like some context, and it's going to have to be a paragraph, but the the prose doesn't have to be strong. You don't have to worry about any descriptions. Just write that because sometimes just writing that alone will give you that momentum to finish everything else. Even though like that's not it's not linear, like it's a par right. it's like the fifth paragraph in an eight paragraph article. But just starting that and just writing that will help you get going too. Not not writing things linearly uh, in a linear linear manner, excuse me, is very helpful sometimes. On on the flip side, I now write things very modularly and it, it's not beneficial, but I, in times where I'm really struggling, it does help, especially with tight deadlines or quick turnarounds. Hell yeah. Well, thank you so much for doing this. Um, as far as you, uh, where's the best place for folks to uh, find the auricular? Um, the auricular.com, um, the auricular on Instagram. I think it's auricular VA on, on Twitter. I'm not calling it X, it's Twitter. Um, the auricular on Facebook. You can follow, I, I, I mostly post everything on all social media so you don't feel like you have to pick or choose which social media whichever one you're comfortable with i'm going to be on there um i've got a couple personal accounts just music doug on instagram and twitter i don't post that often on those though um and then yeah i, I would just check out the com. you know there's uh, there there's content every week um i mentioned marilyn Junichi earlier she used to be at rva magazine um she now writes a show column for us it comes up every wednesday afternoon um, and then there, you know, there's a bunch of stuff. Uh, I'll be starting on this day in history soon. Again, hopefully December. And you know, I've got I've got a couple of big articles coming up very soon, uh, towards the end of the year and the first part of January. So I would definitely be looking at that. But I would just, you know, just follow the site, listen to what, read kind of what we're talking about. If something sounds like it's interesting, check it out because it you'll probably find something that you like. And next thing you know, you're going to have that snowball effect. You're going to go see them in concert at the Camel. And they're great, but then the two bands that opened for them were also great. And then you go see them at Gallery 5, and the bands that opened for them were great. And then next thing you know, you're at a house show on a Tuesday night. That's, that's what I want. I want people to, to organically discover this, the, the music themselves. Here's, a, here's 150 songs. Figure out what you like in it and go from there. And that concludes my conversation with Doug. You can find Doug's writing and reviews at theauricular.com, as well as on social media under the name The Auricular. For more episodes like this, check out our website, variousthingspodcast.com, or listen on your favorite streaming music service under the name Various Things. 
This has been Various Things. Thanks for listening.